First Peter chapter number one. First Peter chapter number one, and I'm going to share something with you tonight, a very, very brief thought. And what I mean by brief is hasn't been on my heart very long, and I've gone back and forth the last couple of days whether or not uh, it was ready uh, to preach and uh, by ways of outline. There's not a lot there, uh, but it's been on my heart the last few days, particularly for a lot of our church and a lot of what all of us are going through right now uh, in the world we're living in. And it was a blessing to me. I pray it'll be a blessing to you. First Peter chapter 1, if you're there. Let's stand together and look down to verse number 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, look down if you would to verse number 3. The Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ." Whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Verse number 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you tonight for the blood. Thank you for sending your only begotten Son, Father, that he would shed that blood that we could be saved. Now, Father, if there's one here tonight, Lord, who doesn't know for sure that, Lord, heaven's their home, Maybe even one watching on live stream tonight. The Father's not sure that their name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I pray that they would see, Father, that it was only through the shed blood of Christ. That's it. That's the only way to have remission tonight, the only way to be saved and become a child of God. I pray they would come down tonight, Lord, and be saved before it's eternally too late. Thank you, Father, for your word that we can turn to in times like these. Thank you, Lord. We do have a Bible. And, Father, we can get what we need. I pray you'd help us to do that tonight. Speak to our hearts. Help us receive it. Respond to it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The other night, we were in our, our kitchen and our living room. I can't remember where we were. And uh, Miley wanted something sweet. She gets that from me. And uh, usually, floating around our house somewhere, there's a box of brownies somewhere around our house. And so we went to the brownie cabinet, and lo and behold, there was another box. Thank the Lord for all of you who brought brownies while we had COVID, because we have a stockpile left in our cabinet, and it was the last box left. And it was a box of brownies that it was not just regular brownies, it was brownies with peanut butter cookie dough mixed in with the brownies. So it was kind of a double whammy that was there. And I said, Miley, I says, look, you're 14 now, and Dad has been the official brownie baker of our house. And it's time that she start learning how to do that. You know, one day she's going to be married and she needs to know how to cook brownies for her husband. And so I said, Miley, I want you to go on in and you make the brownies. She's not getting married for 20 years, but I think she needs that much practice, you know, to get ready. And so she goes in and she begins making the brownies. But it's a very, very different box of brownies. It's not just put the egg and the oil and the water in and stir it up and bake it. I mean, now you've got peanut butter cookie dough that's got to go in with it. And so we're sitting in there on the, uh, the couch, and there's that little window in our kitchen where you can talk from the kitchen to the living room. And she says, well, Dad, you know, do I, do I put them at the same time? And uh, do I cook one first and then put them on top and then put it back in the oven? I mean, look, this is, this is complicated stuff here. 
This is not normal box of brownies. And so I went in and I said, Miley, look at the box. No offense to Miley, she can read, but I said, Miley, look at the box. The box says you're gonna mix this one up in this bowl and you're gonna mix this one up in this bowl and then you're gonna get the, the oven ready and get you ready to start cooking those brownies. And so we went in, back sat down a few minutes and we're watching a show and a few minutes later, Dad, but do I put them in at the same time? Do I put one in the first and then put the other one in or do I put the other one in and then pour the brownies on top of it? So I get up off the couch, come back into the living room and I said, Miley, Miley, Look at the box. Look at the box. All right? Uh, our society is not the most intelligent society in the world. And I says, look, they make this easy. All you got to do is go back to the box and follow the box. She says, well, these are different. We've never cooked any like this before. And I just want to make sure we get them right. I says, Miley, you're putting brownies and cookies in a, in, a, in a pan and you're cooking it. You really can't get it wrong. It's going to be good either way. But I kept referring her to the box. I said, Miley, I know this is different. And I know these brownies aren't like the ones we usually cook, but these are new, and we're going to have to figure out how to mix all of this together in order to get what we're looking for, but you got to just keep going by the box. Pull that box out and look at it. Most of the time, Dad throws the box in the garbage and just kind of throws it all together, but when you're working with something out of the ordinary, you got to go back to the box and figure out, okay, how do I make all of this work so that it turns out the way that I desire that it turn out? Now, I say all of that to say this. If you've been awake for the last two years in the world that we're living in, we're not just baking a regular box of brownies anymore. Uh, this is a new box of brownies that we have never had part in before. And in order for us to get this thing right, to take this scenario that we're having to deal with all of these different parts of life that are not only confusing, but they're worrisome, aren't they? And we've got to take all the ingredients that we've been given, and we've got to figure out how God would have us to bake something up that's pleasing to him. Look, God wants us to still live a life pleasing to him in spite of circumstances. Would we agree? Now look, God knew all of what we're going through was going to happen. And the word of God is still valid. But instead of going to a box, we've got to continually go back to the book. Now tonight, we look in 1 Peter chapter number 1, we're going back to the book to find exactly how God would have us handle all of these different ingredients that we're having to work with. I mean, these are frightening times. I mean, these are unprecedented times. We've never baked a box of brownies like this before. But by the grace of God, we go back to the book, we read the instructions to find out how our Father wants us to function in the midst of all of this. Now, as Peter writes this, through the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, God knows that problems is coming the way of his people. It wasn't too long ago we read out of this passage and how comforting it is to know that God knew what they were going through and prepared them ahead of time. Isn't it good that God can prepare us for problems before they get there? Isn't it wonderful? Uh, I showed you a picture the other day of my battery that grew a snow cone. Do you remember that? All right, that, that nice, beautiful blue snow cone on my battery. Well, we were in Walker Springs the other night, and uh, we were at McDonald's with all the young people. It takes a while for that many young people to get through McDonald's. And so we're sitting out there, finishing up our supper. We got in the car, and I hit the crank on the car, and it wouldn't crank again. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Walker Springs, but it's in the middle of nowhere, uh, and, a little, and some. It's out there. And so we're sitting out there trying to figure out how to get the car cranked, and I opened up the hood, and that snow cone had now melted. Okay, uh, if you weren't here, you're just gonna have to ask somebody that was here. It looked horrible. All of this stuff was oozing and bubbling out of my battery. Good news is in my trunk, I had this little jump starter that somebody gave me. Amazing, wonderful little tool that'll help jump off your car. I hooked up the jumper cables, boom, and it cranked right up. How wonderful was it to be able to go to my trunk 
and get out exactly what I needed for the problem that I had, and it was there long before I ever had the problem. That's the way the Word of God is. We've got to go back to the book to find out what God has for us. Now, here's what's interesting. Peter's telling them they're going to have problems. Now, that's not something exciting, is it? Nobody wants to be told that you're going to have problems tomorrow. Nobody wants to be told you're going to have a bad day tomorrow. Hey, you know you're going to have a flat tire tomorrow. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, no. You know, your kid's going to throw down in Walmart and have a fit for that new toy they saw on television and embarrass you in front of everybody. You don't look forward to those times, do you? I can help you with that too, by the way. Ask me after the service and I can help you with that. Nobody looks forward to problems. But watch this. God in his power and knowledge knows what we're going to go through as he knew they were going to go through, and he prepares them for these problems. Now, I mentioned last time we read out of this, Nero is about to wreak havoc upon God's people. Now, if you look, you think what we have in Washington's bad right now. You have, listen, you have no idea compared to what it was like when you're facing Nero. I mean, the guy was a psychopath. But understand this. Even in the shadow of Nero, God gives them hope even when times were hard. I want you to know it takes a great God to be able to do that. To give you hope when times are hard. Now look, as bad as things are right now, times are not as bad as they were back then. And yet God says there's hope for them and there's hope for us. By the way, if anybody ought to have hope in 2021, it ought to be us. Okay? It ought to be us. This morning we talked about our fruit. You want to influence somebody, have hope as one of the fruits that you have. Have peace in your life. Listen, have contentment in your life. Nobody else has that right now, okay? There's a shortage on everything right now in the world, particularly hope. And if God's people just had a little bit of the hope that you can find in God's word, people would want to have what you have. What does the Bible say in Hebrews about our hope? It's the anchor for our soul. Hope is an anchor for our soul. Do you know if the devil can rob you of your hope, oh my goodness, you're going to be so wishy-washy and you're going to act just like the lost heathen that doesn't have Christ. And the sad thing is you go to the book, God gives us hope when things are hard, and that's what we're going to preach on tonight. Hope when things get hard. Now, here we see the heart of our Father in this passage. There's not going to be notes tonight, so you're going to have to pay attention. That's how unsure I was I was going to preach this tonight. I've been going back and forth, and God says pull the trigger on it, so we're going to pull the trigger on half an outline, okay? Don't get excited. I can stretch it out, and the Lord can multiply it longer than that, okay? Hope when things get hard. Look down, if you will, to verse 3. The Bible says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to stop right there. Now, he's about to tell them trouble's coming their way. He's preparing them for problems that are coming their way. But I want you to notice how he introduces this. This is not the point I'm trying to make. But notice at the very beginning of verse number three, he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is interesting tonight, that as he prepares them for the problems that are coming their way, he begins with praise. Blessed be the God of our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. He begins with praise. Now, could I give you a little extra point and a half tonight? When you're facing problems, it never hurts to praise a little bit. Before he gets to the problems he's about to tell them that they're going through, he begins with a praise. Do you remember that song? I went back and listened to it today. It's amazing what praising can do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you are like, no, Brother Heath, I guess we have to teach them that one maybe on Wednesday night. It is amazing what praising can do. And look, if anybody should be able to praise in the midst of problems, it ought to be God's people. Now, why do they have a reason to praise? Keep reading. He shows them they have something to be hopeful for. Verse 3, 
The Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively what? Hope. A lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Keep reading. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, between verse 3 and verse 5, you see the first hope when things get hard. Now, what is it? This one's very, very easy to find. Number one, notice the hope of deliverance. The hope of deliverance. Now, this is good news for us tonight. Peter's reminding them that no matter how bad things get, the good news is the reason we have hope tonight is we don't have to stay here. Isn't it good to know that this is not home? Things falling apart. I mean, things getting haywire. Right has become wrong, almost like the Bible predicted it, right? And wrong has become right, and people like us are looked at as weirdos. Now, look, I know some of you are weirdos. I'm not weird, but people look at me like I'm a weirdo. Some of you are looking at me like that right now. Smile, it's okay, you're in church, be happy. We're hopeful people, why? Because we have the hope of deliverance. Look, some of us are acting like we have to stay here forever. We don't. If you're a born-again child of God, before too long, the trump of God sounds, and we're getting out of here, and we're gonna let them have this place. And look, they can do whatever they want with it. They can go through my cabinets and get the rest of my brownies if they want. I'll even leave, look, I'll even leave. In case of rapture, I'll even leave the, 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 the combination to my gun safe. They can have all of that. I'll let them take it with them. Why? I'm going to something better. I don't have to live here. Now, folks, look, some of us are acting hopeless, almost like we're going to stay here. No, watch this. Peter says, trouble's coming. But before I tell you about the trouble, let me remind you about your hope. Now, folks, if you're saved here tonight, you have a reason to smile. You have a reason to have joy. You have a reason to have hope tonight. Why? Because we're going to be delivered from this. You know the worst thing that could happen? I'm just going to give it to you. Do you know the worst thing that could happen on this planet? We die and go to heaven. That's it. That's it. I've heard people say for years, don't threaten me with heaven. That's it. I mean, folks, look. You say, well, what if we die? Look. The Bible says that we'll never die. I'm going to close my eyes here and I'm opening them there. I have hope of deliverance. Why? Because of the blood that Brother Heath sang about. Look, if you're saved, you ought to act like it tonight. And the way a saved person ought to act is like somebody who has hope. Now, I know we feel helpless. Sometimes it is a helpless situation we're in. Seems like it doesn't matter who's in office. It's hard to get anything done to the honor and glory of God. We do feel helpless, and we may be helpless, but we're not hopeless. Why? Because we have the hope of deliverance. Oftentimes at funerals, uh, I'll read John 14, 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Unto. That means I'm getting out of here. But you know what? Sometimes we forget verse 1. What does John 14, 1 say? Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Oh, we're living in a troublesome time. We are. I, I reckon. Look, my head's not stuck in the sand. I have bad days. I have down days too. But in the end, there's nothing going on in this world that can rob me of my hope of deliverance because there's nothing this world can do, there's nothing the powers of darkness can do that can stop what my God's about to do, and that means come and take his children home. 
So tomorrow, look, you ought to try to crack a smile. Your coworkers may stroke out. They might do it. Because, oh, look, you sit there, and we're on Drudge Report and Populist Press and Fox News, and we're reading all this, and our face, as a preacher friend of mine used to say, looks like a mule stepped in it. I mean, we just look like life is over. It's not. Life's just about to begin. Why? Because as a child of God, I have a hope of deliverance. Why don't we act like that? Why don't we act like that? Do you know what the Bible says to be ready to give an answer for? The hope that's in you. I've never had anybody walk up to me and say, hey, can I see the hope that's inside you? If they did, I'd think they're a weirdo. I really would. How are they going to see the hope that's in you? It's got to come out of you. Do you know where it comes from? It comes out of your mouth and the things you say. What did David say? He's the health of my countenance. Show that hope on our face. Folks, look, we don't have to live here. We don't have to die here. One day the people that are scrapping and clawing to get their hands on this world, God's going to say, fine, you can have it. I'm taking my children out. Folks, listen, we can have hope when things are hard. Why? Because I don't have to stay here. Luke chapter 23, we read about the thief on the cross that cried out for mercy to Christ. I want you to put yourself in his position because that's who all of us were. Doomed to die without Christ. Thank God he passed our way and we called out for mercy and he saved us. Now I want you to imagine before he met Christ how hopeless he was. He's hanging on a cross. He's about to die. He's been humiliated in front of the world for crimes that he has done. He deserves everything he's about to get. He's hopeless. And then he meets Christ. And what did Jesus say? Luke 23, 43. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I don't know, okay? My opinion, I almost felt like he found a way to smile even on the cross. He's about to die and he's hopeless and suddenly the king of glory says, today, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Suddenly the entire dynamic changed. Why? Because the end is not the end. The end is the beginning. And suddenly, watch this, he knows just a few minutes, I'm out of here. That poor old guy on the other side, not so much. Let me ask you a question tonight. Which one of those two guys does your countenance and your attitude and your demeanor relate better to? Is it the guy who hasn't trusted Christ and is over there griping and grumbling and complaining and cursing? Or are you the guy who just trusted Christ and you just found out you get to go to heaven? Now, folks, I don't know about you, but I'm the guy that's going to heaven, but sometimes I act like the guy who's not. Sometimes I'm acting like the guy who's griping and grumbling and complaining, like a guy who has no hope. Instead, folks, look, we all have a smile on our face. We all have a a song on our lips. Why? Because as a child of God, you have hope of deliverance. So before Peter tells them of the trouble they're going through, he says, look, let me remind you first off, you have hope of deliverance. Look, I look around at our country. I know that it was God, as we talked about this morning, that raised up the United States of America. I have no doubt. And it's very sad to see our freedoms and our liberties slowly eroding away. It breaks my heart. I feel like we owe an apology to every veteran who fought for this country. We owe them an apology 
for squandering and let what they fought for being squandered away, the liberties and freedoms. I mean, I watched the Andy Griffith show. Oh, if there was a time machine. I told my wife, if I was a billionaire, I'd build a Mayberry on my property and only invite people that I liked. So be nice to me if I ever become a billionaire, okay? Now, you don't have to be nice to me because I'll never become a billionaire. You watch it, the innocence. I know it's a television show, but look, some of you folks lived back then, a few of you, and you know what it was like. You didn't have to worry about your kids playing out there in the yard. You let your kid walk to school. Can you imagine letting your child walk to school today? Maybe with a 45, maybe a taser and some pepper spray. No way. And you see this world just eroding and our freedoms eroding and our liberties eroding and how sad it is to see all of those things be taken away. I don't know how many dozens of our members I've talked with whose jobs are in jeopardy right now. Jobs are in jeopardy. Having to make some philosophical decisions. What do we do? Scary times. And slowly those times begin taking your hope away. And next thing you know, you're the other guy on the cross rather than the one who has hope. But can I give you a little bit of hope tonight like Peter's trying to do? I want you to look down to verse 4. The Bible says, To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fate is not away, reserved in heaven for you. We see a lot that our government is quickly gobbling up in power and freedoms and liberties. And it's so sad to lose those things. But I want to give you some hope tonight that what's reserved in heaven for you is out of the reach of the government. It can't take it away. Listen to me tonight. The government can't touch what God has reserved for you. Look, they may clean out your bank account. I'm reading about, I got a notice from my bank the other day telling me of what that bill's going through Congress right now of having to report income. I mean, this is crazy. Coming, taking people's property, taking people's rights. I mean, just one thing after another. But aren't you glad that as a child of God, that what's reserved in heaven for you is reserved in heaven for you. And I'll promise you, it's locked tighter than the Social Security lockbox. They can't touch it. Now, folks, that ought to give you some hope tonight. Look, they may take your property. They may take your car. They may take your freedom. They may take your guns. But understand this. They can't take your hope. Why? The Bible says it's an inheritance. It's incorruptible. They can't. You know, if they could touch it, they corrupt it. But it's incorruptible, undefiled, and it fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Folks, listen. We may feel helpless, but we're not hopeless. Let's quit acting like we're hopeless. Let's act like we're people that have hope. We're acting like people who have a home in heaven. And before too long, we're going to get to go take a tour of it. Amen? Second Peter chapter 3, the Bible says in verse 13, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Aren't you glad one day when the smoke clears and all of this is over, we're going to a place, listen, that's inhabited by righteousness? Can you imagine that? This world is inhabited by evil. It's got where you can't watch uh, commercials anymore. Commercials are evil. I, I mean, they're pushing agendas even in commercials. I mean, popcorn, as much as I like popcorn. Uh, you have popcorn commercials with things God calls an abomination on there. It's just, we are, listen, our country is just infatuated with unrighteousness. I don't feel at home here anymore. 
I never should have to begin with either. Could God be doing all of this to make us not feel at home? We weren't supposed to. We're pilgrims and strangers. We're supposed to be. We're just passing through here. You know, when my battery messed up the other day for the, the last time, I gave it two strikes, okay? The snow cone was cool, uh, but it left me stranded in Walker Springs. I hate making that drive anyway, okay? And now I'm stranded there. I just knew that Twilight Zone music was about to play, and I was going to be stuck there for the rest of my life in Walker Springs. There's not a whole lot there. I mean, we've even talked about taking up a collection from all the travel parents and pay them to come play us because I just don't want to go over there and drive over there. When that battery went out the first time, I said, you know what, let's clean it up. And so I got me some spray, that spray on the snow cone, it just melted the snow cone, and then I got some cleaner, and we cleaned it all up. Drove it around for a couple of days, everything was fine. And then we get out there in the middle of nowhere, we open the hood, and it's decided to just erupt, and it's a mess. You know what I decided? I'm having trouble with this thing. I'm going to get in a new one. I'm going to trade it in for a better one. I drove to Walmart. I jumped it off. My little jumper, man, you ought to get you one of those. I jumped it off, cranked it up, drove to Walmart, got me a new battery, put that new battery in, and that old one, I just discarded it. I said, I don't need it anymore. Now, folks, that's how this life's going to be. One day we're going to trade this old, corrupted, non-functioning life for one that is embodied by righteousness. Can you imagine? It says, wherein dwelleth righteousness. One day, I'm going to get to go to a place where I feel like I fit in. Right? Everybody's going to be an LSU fan up there. I know it, Brother Farber. I just know it. (laughs) I'm so glad we won yesterday. I was afraid to face Brother Farber knowing that if LSU lost and Alabama won, it'd be bad. Folks, can you imagine being in a place? Do you know that still small voice inside of you that wants to do right? Do you know that part of you that knows to do good and wants to do good? Live for God. One day, that guy is going to be in control. That other guy is not even going to be there. The one who fights you, the good that you would, but you do not. You know, like Paul's talking about, he's not going to be there. He's not invited. Because we're going to a place where the Bible says, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Hey, look, you ought to be excited. You're fixing to trade in a rough one that ain't working very well for a better one, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Now, notice this, and I'll give you the second point. The Bible says it's reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Watch this. Ready to be revealed in the last time. I love those words. Ready to be revealed at the last time. I put on social media the other day. uh, We surprised Molly with the trip that she's going on. I have to tell you how God did that for that kid. Long story short, the Lord gave her a desire of her heart. And uh, we had this surprise. We're going to put it up on this billboard and, uh, and reveal it to her. And uh, I worked it out with this guy, 50 bucks, 50 bucks the guy charged me to put that up on the billboard for 24 hours. I was so excited about it. And uh, so we're sitting there at IHOP and uh, we're sitting there, the billboard's right out the window and I'm waiting for her to see her name up on the billboard. It's a digital billboard. And so I'm just sitting there. Look, the week before I'm dying, I want to tell so bad. So bad, but we worked so hard to make it a big surprise, and we're sitting there at the table at IHOP. I couldn't even think what I wanted. You know for me to get distracted from food, it had to be a big deal. And so we're just sitting there, and Miley's like, you know, what's going on? She knew something was wrong because we woke her up at 6.30 to go get breakfast before school. We don't normally do that. And so we're sitting there. I couldn't wait for her to look up. And uh, I said, whoa, whoa, you know, I'm trying to get her attention to look up at the billboard. And it was a COVID sign written in Korean. I'm like, no, that's not it. That's not it. You know, and finally she looks up there and she sees her name. <gasps> you know, for, she wanted to be excited, 
but she didn't want to get her hopes dashed. And so she wanted to make sure that was the Miley she was talking about. And man, once she realized it was it, she was so excited, she started crying. I felt like a great dad at that moment, you know. Boy, those moments feel good, don't they? They don't come often, but I, they felt good when they do come. But man, I couldn't wait for it to be revealed. Can you imagine how our father feels? He's ready to show you what he's been working on. He's ready to call his children home. Look, he's ready to get us out of here. Now, folks, listen, before too long, it's going to be ready to be revealed, and we're going to see where we're going to spend all eternity. That's not something to gripe about. That's something to smile about. Why? Number one, we have hope, hope of deliverance. Let's keep reading. Look down at verse 6. The Bible says, wherein ye greatly rejoice. So watch this. There's your attitude right there. You should be greatly rejoicing. Why? Because we have hope of deliverance. But watch this. The Bible says we're in you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. He gives you the bad news. The first came the good news. You ever heard of a compliment sandwich? All right, look, some of you guys are not married, need to learn how to do that. All right? You have compliment, bad news, compliment. Get you out of trouble. Or, or gift, bad news, gift. Either way, it works very, very well. Amen, Brother Michael. <laughs> Michael's laughing. He knows. It works. So first he gives them the good news, and then he gives them the bad news. And the bad news is, look at verse 6, though for now, for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. You're thinking, well, there it is. That's why I'm so down. That's why I'm so contrary. But you know when you look at verse number six, there's hope in there too. Notice the second hope tonight. If you look close, you'll see it. Notice the hope and difficulty. The hope and difficulty. So we see there's hope and deliverance, but there's even hope and difficulty. Now, here's what's amazing. I serve a God who can give hope and bring hope even in times of difficulty. There's not a lot of people that can do that. So where's the hope at? Well, in verse number six, there's an important word you need to see. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a, it's the next word, season. Season. Can I tell you what the hope in difficulty is? That this difficulty is just for a season. That's where you could have hope. You may have health problems right now. I know a lot of people that do. So good to see our people back, by the way, tonight that have been out sick. It's so good to have our folks and our family back, isn't it? I know people that are out tonight sick. I know people that are battling, diagno battling diagnosis. I know people who are battling things they're not even sure that's going on with their body. And those times of difficulty can weigh on your spirit, can't they? But we see that there's hope even in difficulty. Why? Because no matter what we face in this life, it's simply for a season. That's the worst. The problems we're going through are seasonal. They're seasonal. You know, every once in a while here, it will, it'll snow in Mississippi. For some odd reason, I'm never here when it does. I'm not kidding. I'm always out of town when it snows. And that snow will come through and it'll snow three, four, five inches. And man, everybody's looking for something to sled on, right? Garbage can lids, big old steel bowls at the school kitchen. I hope not, but I'm sure somebody has. Those trays, you know, that you carry food on. You're trying to find something that you can sled on because we don't have those things down here. You're trying to find a parka. We don't have parkas down here. They don't sell them at Dollar General. Why? Those things are very seasonal. 
They're not going to last, all right? I'm not going to go out and buy a big sled and buy a big parka and these big snow gloves. Why? Because I know it's not going to last. I'm not going to waste my investment on something that is simply seasonal. Now watch this tonight. Watch this. Right now, we're going through trials. Right now, times are hard. Right now, times are difficult. But be careful. Don't overreact to difficulty. Could I beg you tonight, don't overreact to things that are seasonal. Why? Well, I could go out and buy me a snowmobile. Say, man, it snowed six inches here last year. I'm going to go buy me a $15,000 snowmobile. You probably won't use it for another eight years. You're wasting your money. I don't know if you can ride those things on dirt, but you're wasting your money. You'd probably be the coolest redneck around here if you had you a snowmobile. Everybody else driving their four-wheeler to the deer camp, and you pull up on a snowmobile. That'd be the coolest thing in the world. We might have to do that. Why don't you go do that? You're not wasting your money. Why? It's seasonal. You know it's going to pass. You know it's not going to last. Now, that's the same thing for us. Listen, don't squander your hope away for seasonal difficulties. It's going to pass. Listen, at least in this lifetime, but most surely in the next. That's why he says, look at verse 6, we're in you greatly rejoice, though now... For a season. Listen, don't overreact to things that are seasonal. You pumpkin spice people, you know who you are? It's good. It really is. And I had, uh, I had a blackberry latte yesterday. It was very, very good. And, man, you get all excited about it. Woo! And what happens? Just as soon as you fall in love with it, it's gone. And then it's peppermint mocha, isn't it? And then they take the peppermint mocha away from you like they did my Coke Zero. How cruel of a world are we living in? I'm, look, I'm sure they're going to have the old Coke Zero in heaven. Listen, I'm not going to get too upset about it. Why? It's seasonal. It's seasonal. You can have hope when things get hard because the hardness of this life, it's temporary. It's not going to last. It's just for a season. Give you some scripture. We'll back that up. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. The Bible says it's just for a moment. I'll read the rest of that verse here in just a moment. Folks, we've got to understand something. It's not going to be enjoyable. Read Hebrews chapter 11. Read Hebrews chapter 11. Those people dealt with a hard life. Those people dealt with difficulty. But what kept them going? They knew that it was seasonal. One of my favorite verses is Isaiah 43, 19. It says, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Don't you be mistaken. The same God who made a way in the wilderness for them is the same God we serve today. The same God who gave rivers in the desert, that's the same God we're serving today. Don't overreact to it. Dear the children of Israel, read about those people. You know those are our ancestors. Because we act just like them. All of a sudden, we come up to a desert. I mean, they come through the Red Sea. Things are going great. God just worked a great work. And all of a sudden, there's a desert. Ooh, they just melt down. They overreacted. I mean, what a waste of faith. Because the same God that just delivered them through that is the same God that's going to deliver them through this. Now, folks, that's our God. Do you forget that? Look, the whole reason God gave us this book, this is not a supplementary reading assignment. You know, I used to get those in college all the time. I think our teachers just called out numbers. I want you to go read this book, pages 67 through 97. This is not just busy work here. This book tells you all about your God. 
And it tells you all about what your God has done. And if God has done it in the past, God can do it in the future. Therefore, we should have hope and difficulty. Why? Because we know it's just seasonal. And our God can work in the midst of it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. We know this well, but I want you to hear a particular line in this verse. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. Stop. In hard times, we are tempted, aren't we? You know, a lot of times we think temptation as, as sexual sins. We think temptation as physical possessions. But you know, temptations come in all shapes and sizes. You know, when times get difficult, I'm tempted to doubt. Doubting God, that's a sin. Why? Because we're not having faith. They're the opposite. When I go through a difficult time and times get hard and times get tough, uh, listen, I'm tempted to take matters into my own hands. But wait a minute, what does the verse say? There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. Don't you love that? He's reminding you, the same God will work for you who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. What is he saying? Don't overreact to seasonal difficulty. Because as soon as it gets to the place where all of a sudden you're thinking, I can't take it anymore, watch this. That's not our call. It's not my call to decide what I can take and what I can't take. Why? Because I'm not my own. My heavenly father knows what I can take way better than I do. And my heavenly father's watching what I'm going through. And I can have hope in difficulty. Why? Because my father's on the job. What does it say? But God is faithful. Don't worry. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it through 2021. Good news. You don't have to worry. God's worrying about it for you. God's looking down. God says, I know where you're at. I know what you're going through. I know the pressure you're under. I know the difficulty you're facing. And don't worry. I'm not going to let it get to the place where it crushes you. I'll provide a way of escape that you're able to bear it. Suddenly, all of a sudden, you have hope, don't you? Hey, that's something the lost world doesn't have. But suddenly they see you keep moving. Look, I'm not saying you're walking around singing and whistling all the time. I don't do that. It gets on my wife's nerves, okay? I've never been invited to sing in a choir in any church I've ever pastored. Never. I guess I can't sing good. But can I tell you, there's a song in here. There's a song in here. Why? I have hope in difficulty. Why? Because God is faithful. God's on the job. And what I'm going through is simply seasonal. So number one, notice this. We have hope and deliverance. We have hope and difficulty. And here's the last part. I'm going to let you go. If you look down, verse number seven, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, verse seven, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, Though it be tried with fire, might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's amazing. Verse number seven shows us the greatness of our God to use our problems to help us make progress. Now, this is amazing. I throw problems away. I don't ask for trouble. Uh, enough trouble finds me. I don't have to go looking for it. I don't want it. And when trouble comes my way, I'm like, I don't need this. But wait a minute. God can take my trials and use them to help me become more like his son. This is number three. This is important. The Bible says that he's going to use that trial of my faith to help prepare me for what? 
It says, may be, might be found and for praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. As much as we hate things that are hard, God uses them to help us make progress. And that's number three. The third hope we have when things are hard is we have hope to develop. God wants to develop us in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our difficulty, in times where we would throw them away. God wants to use that. You remember the song we used to sing as kids? Or I used to sing as a kid. Probably everybody did it, I guess. He's still working on me. Remember that one? I used to say, boy, that's my life's theme song. I'm tired of saying that. You ever get tired of being worked on? You know, I was joking with my wife. I said, evidently, I have a really bad pride problem. Because the Lord likes to jerk the rug out from under me all the time to keep me humble. Evidently, there's a problem in there that, that if it gets too big, it's going to overtake my life. So the Lord brings me down, brings me down, brings me down. Now, wait a minute. I don't like that. But God uses it. You know what he's doing? He's making me more like his son. You're thinking, God, I don't like difficulty. I don't like it when times are hard. But he says, God says, I can work in those times when things are hard. Let me show you with scripture, Proverbs 25, 4. The Bible says, take away the dross from the silver and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. Take away the dross from the silver. You know what the dross is? It's the refuse. It's the impurities. It's the unuseful parts that are down there mixed in with that silver. And so you put it on that fire and you start heating it up and heating it up, heating it up. I think Brother Nate mentioned the other night, you know, he's talking about that car with the bondo. If the car could talk, the car would say, ouch, this hurts. You're heating up that silver. That silver would say, boy, this is hot. This doesn't feel good. Hey, this, this has got me in an uncomfortable position. Do you know sometimes God leads us to uncomfortable positions? Ask Moses at the Red Sea. Ask Elijah at the dried up brook. Ask Abraham on top of Mount Moriah. You know, all of these health and wealth prosperity preachers, they're always talking about how, look, God wants you to be rich and God wants you to be happy and God wants you to feel good. I don't know what Bible they're getting that out of. But there's so many people who've gone before us, the, found, the, the fathers of our faith, who had to go through trials to become who God wanted them to be. Now, folks, if God had that meat for them, then it's meat for us as well. That God use our trials to develop us. But wait a minute. He says, I'm going to use it that you might be found at praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I don't like being tried. I don't like it when God heats up the fire underneath my life. But you know what he's doing with that? He's using it to help me become more like Jesus. And boy, if I become more like him, the heat was worth it. The difficulty was worth it. The hard times were worth it. Chapter 4 of 1 Peter, verse number 12. I'll give you this before we close. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. We read out of this just a few weeks ago, a few months ago. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. You see, here... Here's a very, very important point that the Lord wants us to get tonight. We're going through difficulty. We're going through hard times. We're going through uncomfortable times. And even though we don't have to love it, God wants us to understand it. He says, understand this. 
Beloved, think it not strange. Now, look, the world's acting like, what is going on? They don't know. They think this is strange. We as God's people, watch this, we have a loving Father who in advance let us know what was coming our way. Now, what did he say? Which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but, watch verse 13, rejoice. Do you know why you rejoice? Because you have hope. You have hope. You have hope of deliverance. And now we see this hope here that God's going to develop us, rejoice in as much as you're partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. You know what that means? You're going to be glad you did. You're going to be glad you held on to your hope when times were hard because God used those hard times to develop you. That when Jesus comes, you're glad at who you become through those trials. Now, right now, our flesh fights and pushes back and kicks against it. But isn't it a whole lot easier to accept the pain when you go back real quickly, look down to verse 7? Let me show you what will help you accept the pain. Verse 7, but the trial of your faith being much more precious. Precious. It's easier to accept the pain. I'm not saying it's easy to accept pain. It's easier to accept pain when you know that pain is helping make you more precious in the eyes of God. Now, folks, here's the burden, and, and we're done. One day the Lord's coming back. I believe it's very, very soon. We have hope of deliverance. If you're saved tonight, if you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're going with him. You get to leave this behind Let's get out there and live like people who have hope of deliverance. And then let's make sure that we live like people who have hope in difficulty. People say, why are you so cheerful? Why are you so cheerful? Well, look, this is just a seasonal thing. This is just a seasonal thing. And that I know that my God is going to use this for my good and for his glory. So tonight with our heads bowed and eyes closed, let's stop there.